codes verified. is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the border Politicians build a new world Happen to the truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. As usual, it is I, your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Rowan County, Tennessee, by way of Louisiana, and then across the airwaves uh, in South Carolina and over the internet in great places like The Last Frequency and the Vera Network over at TuneIn.com. Uh, those airwaves in South Carolina, yeah, that's WCET, by the way. And I uh, hope you guys are enjoying the show there. And uh, naturally, we are doing the live Friday show, and it is, if you didn't already know by now, Friday the 13th. Need some dramatic music there. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> pretty, pretty weird Friday the 13th uh, for me, by the way. And I would imagine a lot of you guys are probably feeling the same thing. And we'll get into some of the more fun and interesting things in the political cycle. I am scheduled, and hopefully we will be able to do the norm, to be joined by Mr. John O'Connor. Uh, he is, of course, the post-gate uh, author as well as the host of the podcast Postgate, and uh, we'll be talking about uh, well the most recent 
I think it's fair to call it a um, a scandal involving, you know, classified documents and a certain current occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and, you know, a former vice president and why this is still kind of different than the accusations made against Donald John Trump and then, of course, how it's exactly the same. But before we get into that, I want to welcome each and every person who's listening in, and especially those who are joining us over at MeWe. Uh, if you're not a member over there, to go sign up. It's free. It's another social media platform. Uh, we've got a little last frequency uh, group, and the group chat for the show was taking place right there. And glad to have everybody hanging out with us there as well. Now, I probably could spend a great deal of time talking about these uh, classified documents, but I want to save all that for the second hour, and uh, if all goes as planned, we'll have the expert uh, opinion from uh, Deep Throat's attorney, and uh, we'll be talking a lot there, but if things fall through, which, you know, it's... Friday the 13th, and anything can happen. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll still talk about it in the second hour uh, regardless. That leaves me needing to talk about a few other things here in the first hour. So what do you say I go ahead and get started with a couple of things that kind of caught my eye? Uh, first and foremost, it would appear that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, you probably better know them as the CDC, they've announced that it is a officially launched an additional investigation into Pfizer's updated COVID booster. This, of course, after a government safety monitoring system detected a potential stroke risk for those 65 and older who received pharmaceutical giants shot. You know, the first one, the bivalent. The original. If you got the first two Pfizer shots and you are now receiving the COVID boosters, you know, the ones that have been specifically formulated to help give additional protection from Omicron. Well, those of you who are at the highest risk and might actually have some kind of benefit from said booster shots. Well, now you're at a much higher risk for stroke, according to information that appears to be augmented here. So the COVID vaccines uh, from Pfizer were, of course, authorized by the FDA last August, you know, in order to provide greater protection against the virus, uh, you know, that very scary, uh, very, very dangerous Omicron that was not even hardly affecting even the older citizens who are most at risk from the original versions of COVID-19. Yes, we had to offer that protection. We needed it, at least in order to continue to fearmonger and pretend as if we were in a state of emergency. Oh, goodness. Anyway, the updated booster includes a component of the original COVID strain, along with a component from Omicron. Uh, this, again, according to the FDA, and of course, there's no reason we shouldn't believe those guys. They're with the government, and they're here to help, right? Anyway, CDC's Vaccine Safety Data Link, a near-real-time surveillance system, met 
the statistical criteria to prompt additional investigation into whether there was a safety concern for a certain type of stroke in people ages 65 and older who received the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. This is, I'm reading straight from the statement from the CDC here. So their safety data link said, hmm, we're seeing numbers that are of concern. However, I would still suggest that if you want to talk about it on social media, that you uh, prepare to be canceled because, you know, obviously, if we talk about this, even though everything we're saying is 100% true, 100% accurate, we're just reporting what the CDC themselves are saying, well, that's still disinformation about the vaccines. And uh, at best, if you're on Facebook, you'll get one of those little uh, labels, uh, Please check uh, this box to get more uh, COVID vaccine information. Or a fact checker checked a similar claim. Blah, 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 blah. But if you want the truth, well, then come here. I'm not the only place that's going to give it to you, but you can count on me to do my best. Anyway, the CDC said this. And they also said that the Moderna's COVID vaccine was not identified for the same risk by the monitoring system. So the difference between Moderna's two-shot and then forever boosters doesn't seem to be made up of the same thing. Therefore, it doesn't seem to be showing the same risk of stroke. Now, again, according to the uh, warning signs from the VSD, Uh, The signal has caused the agency to question whether those who are 65 or older who received the Pfizer COVID vaccine were, in fact, at an increased risk of having a stroke up to three weeks after their vaccination, compared to the 22 to 44 days after the shot. And the CDC said that Moderna's uh, vaccine was not showing the same risk in that time frame either. The CDC added that there, quote, may be other confounding factors contributing uh, to the VSD's signaling of the Pfizer vaccine and emphasized that other studies conducted on Pfizer and Moderna vaccines did not validate the signal. Uh, So you want to tell me that because nobody else has done anywhere near, anywhere close to any type of realistic long-term studies. Oh, I used used the naughty word, didn't I? Long-term studies. You know why that's the naughty word, right? Because by any other vaccine standards, uh, and at the moment we're completely ignoring the fact that they literally changed the definition of vaccine in order to call this a vaccine, a therapeutic, Put the definition there. Uh, if you believe their efforts and endeavors, but any other vaccine, in fact, any other therapeutic of any kind, would still be in the trial phase under normal conditions. There are no long-term studies because it hasn't existed long enough. This, under normal circumstances, would have still not yet been cleared, would have never even been considered by the FDA for clearance. So there are no long-term studies, and we know 
even though we're not supposed to say it, even though we're not supposed to acknowledge it, we're supposed to pretend like it's not true. We know that most of the science regarding the vaccines and regarding COVID-19 period are, well, let's say heavily weighted towards the narrative, the preferred narrative of the state, which in this case is do what we say, do not ask questions, shut down everything, but buy from the big box stores online, have it delivered, whatever you might need, because we have stock or our friends own these companies. Yeah, that's that's what the science has been doing. Remember, Dr. Anthony Fauci, now retired, is the greatest, well, I'm sorry, the second greatest doctor of all time, immediately behind, of course, Dr. Uh, Jill Biden, who is clearly the greatest doctor of all time. Uh, they've told us there's nothing to worry about here. Of course, there may be confounding factors because we don't know enough about any of the factors. All we know for sure is there is a crazy, huge uptick in otherwise seemingly healthy young people between the ages of 18 and 22 that are just apparently dropping dead for no real reason. None at all. We're not allowed to ask questions there. We, we those of us who are intelligent enough to ponder the question, why is there a sudden increase with no apparent reason? What's changed over the course of the last couple of years? Could it be most of these people are in areas or working in fields where they were required in order to participate in athletics or participate in military actions or participate in whatever it is they might have been participating? They were required to have the vaccines. And then, of course, as soon as they were eligible for them, boosters. Well, now, obviously, we can't talk about that. That's just spreading misinformation. That is just fear-mongering. We're mongering all the fear, guys. It's, it's us. It's you. It's me. Mostly me because, you know, I'm the one with the microphone at the moment. It has nothing to do with them talking about how, well, you know, um, uh, the, the pandemic's over, but they're still we're, – we're extending the emergency because that's the only way we have power. I mean, when Joe Biden says the quiet part outside – and, and says it clear enough that you can hear it and understand it. When he says the pandemic's over, which, of course, he famously did a couple of weeks ago, and still talks about how he's going to extend the emergency, we're not allowed to ask the obvious question of why is there a juxtaposition here? Why do we have mixed messages? Because if you ask those questions too loudly – and you know the only reason we ask the questions because we already know the answer. But if you ask those questions too loudly, some of the folks that typically vote for the left, they might start asking those questions too. Heaven forbid if somebody who's a lockstep Democrat voter stops and thinks for one second, why is it I keep voting for Democrats and Democrats keep getting elected and my life keeps getting worse instead of better? Why do I have a cousin that moved to Georgia and they started electing Republicans and their lives got better? Hmm, I don't know. Let's ponder that. There's a reason why Democratic office holders and mainstream legacy media types 
there's a reason why they continue to believe and act as if all Americans are the dumbest people on the planet. Because the people that still listen to them and take them at their word are. You've got to be a moron to continue believing the shite these folks are shoveling. Period. <clears throat> Excuse me. What other explanation is there? But we're the bad ones, guys. We ask out loud. We ask, what is the difference? What's leading to this? You see, and I'm kind of, I'm one of the more reasonable conservatives when I talk about the vaccines and talk about COVID. Because I at least try to pretend like we can have reasonable discussions with these lefties. And I do that because I'm hopeful that maybe somebody on the left is accidentally absorbing some of the information, right? We know that we're monitored by folks that want to try and embarrass us. We know that we're monitored by folks that like to, to try to call into the shows and, and then edit their call-ins and make it sound like we're the, the dumbest. In fact, Howard Stern used to do this to people on the regular and he even ended up doing it to a, a friend of mine who has passed away a few years back uh, she was a, a host and she was very much into the counter jihad movement uh, and they called her and did all kinds of things and they try to lead you down this but i've had callers calling back when i was doing the live show over on btr all the time and there was one where they were pretending to be a trump supporter and then one second they're just blah 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 and then the next they're talking about uh, family interactions between the trumps just like now hold up first of all you're talking about a lot of stuff that's unsubstantiated at best and it's pretty clear so the folks on the left like to make fun of us they like to to, to try and pretend like things say try to the things that we're saying just aren't right aren't accurate we're dangerous to them, guys. We're dangerous because we tell the truth. We're dangerous because we ask the questions. Now, some of us get really fired up. We get really angry, and we just start very angrily, abruptly treating everyone the same. And, and I've done it. I try not to. I try to avoid name-calling. Can't help it. It happens sometimes. I try not to just treat all people that vote for Democrats as if they're all the enemy even though you know, they are kind of their own worst enemy and they take the rest of us with them when they win. <laughs> and evidently, Doug wants me to talk about lockdowns. <laughs> Just glanced into the chat room. Um, you know, lockdowns are part of the problem too because that's part of the challenge, their control. But if we ask the question, and I try to, to just show where the data takes them. Because they say follow the science until the science doesn't back them up anymore. They say uh, that uh, listen to the arguments that we've made. Trust the experts. Now, at this point in time, I challenge how you define an expert. Because they want to say credentials, degrees, years in the field. I say an expert is somebody that's actually worked in the field, not based on degrees, but had their hands into 
the mud and muck and actually see for themselves. There's a reason why a lot of doctors, there's a reason why a lot of micrological scientists have been silenced during the age of COVID. They didn't want these people who had credentials and who actually worked hand in hand directly with patients and who understood and were willing to stand up for science as it's always been as opposed to money for pay, money for pay, science for pay. Now, government loves to grab more power. That's the time we're living in. This is nothing new. When we look at people like Gretchen Whitmer, when we look at people like Gavin Newsom, when we look at any of these would-be tyrants, shoot, let's, let's look north of the border at Justin Trudeau. All of these people are, are willing to enslave the people they're supposed to serve in an effort to have a little extra control and any excuse they can use. But the facts, the facts cannot be avoided forever. Saw a great meme on social media just the other day. It said, uh, so far, conspiracy theorist 37. Oh, I'm trying to remember the exact phrasing. Uh, actually, I think it was just said, uh, so far, conspiracy theories are winning 37 to 0. Uh, yeah, I think that was the statement. But anyway. The point being is that every time we're told something's just a conspiracy theory, that gap in time before we find out it's the truth is getting shorter and shorter. We talked about when these vaccines, again, if you want to call them that, when they first came out, that there was no reason to give them to children, especially anyone under 18. There wasn't very many reasons to give them to anybody healthy under the age of 35. And this is using the data they provided. And I feel like that's the best place to blow up their arguments. Now, a lot of us know that a lot of this was BS from the beginning. A lot of us use that language. A lot of us come right out. out the, and I don't qualm with them. I don't say they're wrong because, truthfully, they're not. But I'm hopeful that somebody who's just on the Fence, or maybe somebody that's slightly to the left that's hearing this will hear the arguments using their data, using what information that they're finally acknowledging, and then they have no choice but to question everything else they've been told. Most of them still won't, at least not right away, but there is this awakening that is going on, and we have to nurture it. It's always at risk of being put out. All it takes is one bad event, and all of a sudden they're going to go lockstep right back into it. And remember, I'm talking about the average, everyday American citizen that continues to make the terrible, terrible, no good, very big mistake of voting Democrat. I'm not talking about actual members of the political party that hold office. Those people, they are lockstep regardless. You see the, the fake whining from the Justice Democrats. Uh, you've got uh, the, the squad, and oh, they were going to shut Nancy Pelosi down. They were going to keep her from doing whatever because it was time for change. And, new. and look who actually manages to create change. They still ended up with Kevin McCarthy, but they made Kevin say 
you don't get to rule from on high as the speaker anymore. We're making a return to how the house is supposed to work. It takes a conservative mindset. It takes the mindset of people that are willing to put America first to restore a balance to the idea of checks and balances. The fact that the CDC is now having to take a look at this vaccine data is just one more step toward just finding out that this may very well have been one of the most horrific pharmaceutical crimes committed against the American people since the release of thalidomide. Which also, by the way, worked really great for its intended purpose. But had some very bad side effects. I know it's a little before my time. I was very young when that was going on. But I spend two seconds doing research and pull up all kinds of very scary images, the type of birth defects and events that happened to people who took this drug. It's part of the reason why there is such an extended trial time for new things that are supposed to be being brought to the market. The worst part, these vaccines, a lot of it bought and paid for by the U.S. American taxpayer. You hear some whining from the Democrats about threats of raising some of the prices now. Well, guess what? The prices are going to go up because their locked-in guaranteed American taxpayer checks are about to start slowing down. First step towards no longer uh, U.S. taxpayer dollars providing these vaccines is Joe Biden uttering the words, the pandemic is over. It's just a matter of time. The clock is ticking at this point. They know it. So what we're getting now, a lot like these um, classified documents that were hanging out at the Biden pen think tank, they already know the truth. Because remember, they found those documents Way back in early November, November 2nd, I think it was, you know, several days before the midterm election. It's funny how somebody shows up at a Trump uh, property and the mainstream legacy media is reporting on it before the agents have even showed up. Now, they're en route now. Let's start talking about it. We'll be able to have film by noon. But Joe Biden gets his hand caught in the cookie jar and Nobody finds out until January? Hmm. Same people doing the same jobs, same crime. Well, actually, not the same crime. Because Donald Trump, as president, had unilateral authority to declassify whatever he wanted at any point in time. There's not a huge formalized version of what he has to do. He just says, okay, um, this is declassified now. Now, granted, once he was no longer president, he couldn't do that. Can they prove he didn't? Okay, well, here's the, the side effect. Both Hillary Clinton, who as Secretary of State had a ton of stuff on a private server, and Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., who has all these documents hanging out and as we have since found out, also in his garage, parked beside his Corvette. He was only vice president. He did not 
I repeat, did not have the authority to declassify. He could do it now, but the crime's already been committed. He's already done it. And um, something that I haven't heard very many people talk about, and I'll probably bring this up again in the second hour, the documents that were over at the Penn-Biden think tank office, they had to have been moved at least twice, and nobody found them. At least twice, because it had to leave the secured area in the White House where this was being kept. And this, this I would presume a skiff, but we don't know if it was ever properly handled, honestly, do we? I mean, it was handled well enough that it got marked, but it got moved from there. It got moved to the pen, Biden, think tank. But that's something that didn't actually open up for nearly two years after the Obama administration had transitioned. So it got moved out of the secure, proper handling in the White House, was stored somewhere else. Uh, how much you want to bet it might have also been in that garage where, where these others have been found. I, just uh, an idea, a thought, just guessing, thinking out loud. I mean, they had to be stored somewhere before they got sent to the Penn Biden thing. So, hmm, hmm, a lot of mishandling. Oh, yeah, and uh, by the way, according to all official records, Hunter Biden actually owned the house as recently as 26, uh, yeah, 2016, I think it was. Uh, he still continued to have access to the house. The bag man for Burisma. Hmm. Very strange. Very strange. All right. I, I see that uh, it's probably that time, guys. I'm looking at the clock here. Let's go ahead and take that mid-hour break before I miss it completely uh, and before Doug decides to start sending obscene gestures my way. Oh, no, there's they're not obscene, but that's the pre-obscene. <laughs> Cut now, cut now, cut now. All right, guys, we'll be right back. Uh, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. If parents are to direct their children in the way they should go, then why do some parents support mutilization? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from your original notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup, God created both male and female. When a man and woman marry, they reproduce. The result is either a boy or a girl. But because many woke parents in the U.S. have lost their way, Oregon Health and Science University has announced an expansion of its gender-affirming mutilization and castration surgeries, which include neo-male organs and plastic female organs. The surgeries are planned for children as young as 10 years of age. They can opt to remove an odd body part like Mr. Potato Head, 
but with actual permanent bodily damage. Almost every child with stupid parental encouragement that takes puberty blockers ends up signing up for cross-sex hormones, which are then followed by body butchery and the rest of the horrors available in the normal to transgender pipeline of horrendous therapies. Parents are blessed with children to raise as an extension of themselves and to perpetuate society. Child gender mutilization is nothing more than abuse and a roadmap to societal destruction, which should be treated as criminal behavior. I'm Ron Edwards. Don't miss the Ron Edwards American Experience talk show. To find out where, simply go to theronedwards.com. Bye now. Second Skull is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. These products are patented and proven. Second Skull is a protective headgear company. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Bean stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key, the idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bimonthly. But the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. Ours is the first revolution in the history of mankind that truly reversed the course of government and with three little words, we the people. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the drivers. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go and by what route and how fast. Almost all the world's constitutions are documents in which governments tell the people what their privileges are. Our Constitution is a document in which we, the people, tell the government what it is allowed to do. We, the people, are free. There's a clear cause and effect here that is as neat and predictable as a law of physics. As government expands, liberty contracts. Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. Right. 
ladies and gentlemen, let's wake up together. Ooh, it's creepy. It's Friday the 13th. I don't think I've ever seen Jason Voorhees wearing a scarf before, but dadgummit if he wasn't uh, wearing one earlier. Uh, I don't know where you're at here in Tennessee right now, uh, where I'm at anyway. Uh, we got snow falling, and uh, we don't get a lot of that down here in the south. That I keep wishing we could get a little bit, you know, for like Christmas. No, no, we got to wait till January, February. Shoot, we'll even get it in March. Occasionally, even as late as April down here. We'll have more white Easter's than white Christmases for some reason. And, of course, I'm sure the left will tell us, oh, it's climate change. Uh, no, it's just uh, the fact that in the more temperate zones, uh, which we are in, Mother Nature can occasionally be a little bipolar. That's all. So wherever you're at, I do hope you're... Friday the 13th hasn't been too awful bad. Uh, actually, my my Thursday the 12th was probably a little worse uh, than today's been, but it's been kind of weird still. A lot of little silly things just keeps happening. Uh, if it could go wrong, well, that certain internationally known engineer, Murphy, his law has been in full effect. I'll leave it at that. All right, so here we are, ladies and gentlemen. It is Friday night. We are live on WCET Radio as well as on thelastfrequency.com and, of course, the Vera Network over on tunein.com. And uh, if you're listening to the podcast after the fact, wherever you're listening at, thank you so very much. Greatly appreciate it. And by the way, just mentioning the podcast, uh, there for a while, Stitcher was just absolutely burning it up. Stitcher.com was doing nearly twice what uh, Apple and uh, Spotify were doing combined there for a minute. But in the last two weeks, Apple Podcasts have just exploded. Absolutely. And it's mostly international audience, too. So, again, thank you guys, and uh, hopefully you'll continue to tune in. Uh, and, you know, like, share, uh, spread the word around. Uh, join us as we tap into the truth. All right, and part of tapping into the truth is occasionally having to ask questions that nobody's comfortable asking. Uh, nobody except, of course, for those of us who want the truth and want to, I don't know, protect our children from the lefty morons. Uh <laughs> Yeah, and all Americans, patriotic Americans, period. I'm I'm having to add that on because I got uh, my crazy Cajun uh, producer in here waving an American flag at the moment. Uh, <laughs> and I love him for that. Okay, anyway, uh, we're talking American, and uh, we're going to talk about something from the Dutch. See, there's a brand new study that just was released uh, they found out that even the, quote, best evidence for child sex changes, well, they've admitted that it's extremely low quality and should not be relied upon as justification for medical transitioning of minors. So let me get this straight. Lots of common sense, average people, I mean, not even just Americans, people across many borders, common sense people, not even all necessarily conservatives, people who just love our children, people who just 
care about the future. Uh, people have been saying for some time now that there is no justification for medically transitioning minors, which is also still a very euphemistic way of saying chemical castration and surgical mutilation. Uh, we've been saying there's no reason to do that. <coughs> Excuse me. We've been saying there's no justification for it. And now finally, the science is starting to agree with us. The science, guys. Who knew? Anyway, a peer-reviewed paper <clears throat> that was published just this past week, it critically analyzed the so-called gold standard evidence that supports medical transitioning of trans-identified children. This, of course, known around the world as the Dutch studies. And it found it has, and I'm quoting here from the paper, profound, previously unrecognized problems. Now, I'm going I'm to hit the brakes there for a second. I want you to ponder the phrasing, unrecognized. I'm going to call that into question because a lot of us recognized it. In fact, you have heard on multiple occasions, myself, you have heard <clears throat> Ron Edwards. You've heard Ann Ubellis. You've heard Don Smith. You have heard a ton of these so-called top-tier and second-tier hosts all recognize some of the profound problems in the Dutch studies. But I'll move forward. They say that the Dutch studies had profound, previously unrecognized problems, and that it, in fact, requires, quote, urgent attention from the medical community. Uh, yeah, guys, there's already urgent attention from the medical community. They're urgently moving towards trying to trans all the kids because it provides a source of income for these people long-term. Because once you're on the hormone blockers, once you're on the medical transitioning uh, activity log, you are a patient for life, or at least until you kill yourself. And I don't say that flippantly. I don't say that to try to make a joke of it. I say it to drive the point that still, today, as for the last three decades, the transitioned transsexuals are the single highest suicide rate, period. And remember, they're still competing with military veterans who are coming home from war and dealing with PTSD. Extremely high rate of suicide among that group. They still pale in comparison to the suicide rate of gender dysphoria sufferers. So you want urgent attention from the medical community, good luck, guys, because they're cashing the checks. They have thrown the Hippocratic Oath out the window. You know, you cannot continue to acknowledge an oath that begins with the first do no harm ideology when you don't care if you're doing long-term harm as long as you can create a long-term paycheck. And it's not cheap either. The good news is they can typically get the government to uh, foot the bill. 
So they can do this with poor people too, and it works great. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Well, is it helping anyone? That doesn't matter. Anyway, according to the Society for Evidence-Based Gender Medicine, which is a real thing that I totally did not just make up, but seriously, which usually I only say that when I did, but it's a real thing. I'm not kidding. They're an international group of over 100 clinicians and researchers, at least according to the data that I saw about them. They said that, quote, these problems range from erroneous concluding that gender dysphoria disappeared as a result of gender-affirming treatment to reporting only the best-case scenario outcomes and failing to properly examine the risk, despite the fact that a significant portion of the treatment sample experienced adverse effects. Hmm. So let's take this out of the world of the we're trying to convince medical professionals and put this in better, easier to understand layman terms. The problems is they lied a lot. It's just that simple. They lied a lot. They did not erroneously conclude. They lied. And why is it a lie? Now, you might be saying, but Tim, they could have just simply been making a mistake. They could have believed that that was it. But they knew. You see, they knew that they were spinning the results. And I'm sorry, once you know that you're spinning something, then you are being intentionally deceptive. And if you're being intentionally deceptive, sorry, that's a lie. didn't erroneously conclude that gender dysphoria disappeared as a result of gender-affirming treatment. You wanted everyone to believe that it's only because we gave them gender-denying treatment that they got better. And I'm sorry, I will use the phrasing gender-affirming treatment when I'm quoting them, but I'm going to call it what it actually is when I am not. This is the typical doublespeak. This is the, we're going to call it the exact opposite of what it is. Because you're not affirming gender when you surgically mutilate or chemically castrate children. You are doing the opposite. Their gender is their biological sex. And you can keep trying to talk about societal constructs and changes in understanding all you want to. But all that is BS to try to further confuse a group of people that are already susceptible to your BS. Then they talk about how they failed to properly examine risk. They knew the risk. The Dutch study, the people behind that, they were well aware of the risk. And again, they don't want you knowing that there are adverse effects. They don't want you knowing that the high rate of suicide only got higher if you underwent transitions at a surgical level. They wanted you to believe that, well, yeah, it's because they were being bullied all their lives and it was just really, really hard for them to deal with all of it. What happened? Now, I know, I know, we just don't teach our kids to be as emotionally tough as we used to. I mean, I get it. You know, once upon a time, the solution to a bully was to stand up to that bully and pop him one good time. And then you would have the fight and 
once the fight was over, it would be done. There would be no more bullying. Whether you won or lost, the bully would know they'd pay too high a price. Even if they won the fight, they weren't going to want to get into it again, so on and so forth. Now it's, oh, no, you have to stay away from the bully because the bully would get the bully. Stop it. It's unfathomable that you're supposed to have just so much self-worth when you haven't accomplished anything, and yet you're supposed to maintain a level of self-worth when, if you happen to be white, then you're an oppressor. doesn't matter. Anything else, it's automatic. Just forget about it. If you're not white, then you're oppressed. Also, doesn't matter about any other details. You could be LeBron James' kid. Uh, you could be uh, second cousin to Oprah Winfrey. Uh, you're not white, so you are oppressed, even though you may have grown up in a multi-million dollar home with every actual advantage that America has to offer someone who's managed to be successful in this country. None of that matters. So how are you expected to be tough? No, no. Bullying should not be one of the leading causes of, of suicide. You need to teach kids to be tough enough to deal with it. Now, how do you go about that? I don't know. Maybe us backwards folks just need to take a turn back to how we used to be in the good old days. You know, the one that left keeps saying, Oh, no, that was terrible. You guys are so bad. Anyway, let's let's get back to this before I go too far down that because it's Friday and I'm feeling a little fried right now. So this paper, it's titled The Myth of Reliable Research in Pediatric Gender Medicine. Well, I like the title. It says a lot. It, of course, does focus on the two Dutch studies and the resulting Dutch protocol that inspired the gender of model of care that is now used worldwide. See, again, I hope you heard the air quotes, gender affirming. The Dutch protocol was often considered the more cautious, conservative approach to the radical affirming method. But all justification for even carefully selecting minor candidates to medically transition, it falls apart with just a cursory inspection. This has been held up by so-called medical professionals as the reason why we should do this, the reason why we must do this. This saves lives. It saves their lives because they get to make a lot of money off of it. Anyway, according to the authors of the paper, the Dutch protocol, which used hormones and surgeries to give minors the appearance of secondary sex characteristics of the opposite sex, would never have been accepted by today's standards of evidence-based medicine because of its extremely low-quality research and harm caused to some of its participants. Now, I love the fact that these people still believe, and, and they do, they would not have written this like this, they still believe that there are, in fact, evidence-based medicine standards. If that was the case, that story where we were talking about just a few minutes ago about uh, the jab, 
that would have never been a thing. There would have never been anything jab-related to talk about because it would not have been approved yet if it was evidence-based medicine that was being practiced. Now, the standards that had been established have been in play for a while and have been completely ignored for some time now that would have required this be thrown out the window. And simply abiding by the Hippocratic Oath would have kept any doctor, any physician from trying to practice any of this. Because yes, again, that first principle, do no harm, that's all that's happening here. So again, I'm going to give him some credit for still being a little Pollyanna. I love a show when I'm not the one being Pollyanna. Three clinicians who began medically transitioning gender dysphoric adolescents in Amsterdam practiced in the 1980s and the 1990s before medicine became an established evidence-based practice and relied heavily on expert opinion. This is strictly from the paper I'm quoting now. The reason why this protocol became the foundation towards gender-affirming care, uh, this is what the authors are trying to explain, is that uh, through a phenomenon called runaway diffusion, it sounds like something uh, a lefty would come up with, as a runaway diffusion. This is, of course, is where the medical community mistakes a small experiment as being a proven practice. The damage done by runaway diffusion can be mitigated by conducting systemic reviews of the evidence and implementing practice reversal, like Finland, Sweden, England, and recently the state of Florida have all done. The Dutch Protocols, the home of the Dutch Protocol, it is now no longer practiced in Finland or Sweden. The UK finally backed it up, said they're not doing it anymore. Florida just passed a law in the state saying that not only will this not be allowed, but it will be treated criminally by physicians that try to transition minors. Still doesn't affect adults. If you are 18 and still suffering from gender dysphoria and choose to take this path, then okay, you're an adult at that point. You're free to do these things. I wouldn't recommend it. It's not a very good solution based on what's actually seen here. And 90% of the time you're being influenced by people that have an ulterior motive other than your well-being, mostly financial gain for them. Again, once you're on these treatments, you tend to have to stay on them. And even though it doesn't do very much positive for your health long term, coming off of these treatments tends to cause collapses in your body's ability to care for itself. Anyway, the authors of this paper, they are making the statement that the results of the Dutch studies heavily relied on cherry-picking the participants who had positive or neutral outcomes. In other words, uh, they saw a lot of different people, all the folks that had negative effects, they decided, oh, well, we're throwing those out because we just, we don't want to talk about it. You know, if this was a, a Disney film, this would be in Kanto, and 
the Dutch protocol would be Bruno because we don't talk about Bruno. I don't know why I went there. But anyway, another methodological flaw that they noted found that the originally stated intention of the Dutch study was to investigate whether or not the treatment improved psychological functioning. But when the research failed to show benefits, well, then they decided to move the goalpost. They changed it to a measure of satisfaction with treatment, not is there an actual positive psychological outcome, but uh, how satisfied are you? On a scale of one to 10, one being totally, completely unsatisfied and two being, okay, well, I'm legitimately satisfied that at least the hours of operation at the clinic was reasonable for me to get there. So anybody that picked two or higher were satisfied. And that's that's not a flaw, guys. That is once again them rigging the game and ignoring the truth. It is being intentionally dishonest. It's what they've been doing to these kids for a long time to get away with this. The Dutch studies reported only the best-case scenario outcomes while ignoring the serious risks that emerge. They wrongly concluded that the gender dysphoria disappeared post-treatment. They failed to separate the effects of the psychotherapy and those of the blockers, the hormones, and surgery. They literally did everything medically wrong. Everything. And most of the professionals that tout the Dutch study, that try to emulate the Dutch protocols, they know it. And they do it anyway. Time to transition into hour number two. Boys and girls, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back and hopefully we'll be joined by tonight's scheduled guest. And if not, uh, well, you know, it's Friday. I'm sure I can come up with something. <laughs> Stay where you're at. to the truth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I do wish you'd loved me too. Hey, guess what? It's Friday the 13th. It is January 2023, and uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. is still the worst president in American history. Uh, I guess, finally, Jimmy Carter has a reason to feel good about it. All right, right off the top of the hour as we're kicking off hour number two of tonight's show, uh, we have uh, tonight's guest. He served as the lawyer for Deep Throat. He is the author of Postgate. How the Washington Post betrayed Deep Throat, covered up Watergate, and began today's partisan advocacy journalism. And, of course, he's the host of the great uh, podcast, The Mysteries of Watergate. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show once again. Uh, former assistant U.S. attorney for Northern California, uh, 
Mr. John O'Connor. John, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining us once again, and how are you this evening, sir? Well, thanks for having me. This is a big deal. All right. Well, let's jump right in. Obviously, we've got uh, some intelligence memos uh, marked for Ukraine, uh, Iran, uh, some stuff for the UK. We know about that. Uh, at a uh, facility that was supposed to be a think tank, uh, a factor involved here that I haven't heard very many people talk about. This was a think tank that office was not opened immediately upon uh, Joe Biden's departure from the White House as vice president, meaning it had to be stored somewhere. It had to be moved at least twice before it was discovered. And now, now, John, we've found some more uh, material in at least two other locations, one of which was a garage, <laughs> a garage where you can wow. see these documents uh, from outside of it in some uh, pictures and some video when uh, Joe was trying to show off his Corvette. Uh, what, is, what is going on here? Well, this is greatly distinguished from the Trump case. All right. And I'll tell you why. Not that Biden's uh, AG is going to treat it as he should. He's not going to treat this, and the special counsel will not treat this as a worse case than Trump's. Uh, they'll, they'll excuse him. But let me tell you what the real story is here. First of all, unlike Trump, who had the authority as president to move documents, he did, and he did while he was president. No one else in the government has the authority to move classified documents from their original and authorized location. That's a crime, okay? Biden committed a crime, and he's been committing it for the last six years. That's number one. Number two, because unlike the president who has the right to possess his presidential records, now there's sort of a kabuki dance between him and the archives as to, you know, you've got to say, Mother May I, and the archives gives you a warehouse and all that stuff. But the point is he has a right to possess him. The vice president does What does that mean? It means that technically – he has stolen government property. All right. Now, this is not an idle uh, crime. I represented Mark Felt later on, but earlier before I represented him, the government thought that he had given documents to a reporter, just one report to a reporter, uh, and they went after him with a vengeance. It turns out he didn't give the documents to the reporter or they couldn't prove it. But the fact is that's stolen. The theory was it was stolen government property. So he stole government property. But let me tell your audience what is so terrible about this. Trump was keeping his documents. He wanted to keep them almost as mementos and keepsakes and so forth and so on and to prove he was right about Russia and all this stuff. Biden, besides writing a book, uh, wanted these things as part of his Penn Biden Center, which was a center for, quote, global engagement. Global engagement, that means foreign actors are going to be involved with your center. At your center, you have got not just these willy-nilly documents like Trump had, but you've got actual top-secret presidential briefings, which are very valuable because usually, you know, all classified documents are not the same. But if you have a coherent report about the most secret of the government's initiatives and their strategic uh, posture toward Iran, toward Ukraine, and so forth, which would involve Russia, of course, that is very important. So when you talk about a document, when you talk about 10 documents, those 10 documents could each be as, as uh, 
big as Noah's, uh, Noah Webster's dictionary. It can be one, one page or it can be a thousand pages. So he had some select documents that were very important. And meanwhile, he's running this global engagement center, uh, which looks like, and he's got a make a lot of make work jobs for these out of power Democrats, John Kerry and so forth, Anthony Blinken and so forth. It is a focus of influence peddling. And when you peddle influence, you got to look like you got influence. And if you have briefing papers, that's a big deal. And what they call that is technically espionage. So you can talk about mishandling classifieds or stealing government property. If you show this stuff to anybody that is a foreign actor or represents a foreign actor, that is espionage. Nobody claims, everybody wants to focus, you know, hook up the whole Trump thing. Say, oh, he must be selling these documents on a street corner in Moscow. No, come on. He never had that intent, and everybody knows it. However, we do know that Biden was using this stuff specifically uh, for the success of this global engagement center. And if that's the case, and if any of this stuff, even if, if, if you don't show a document, but if you reveal information from a document, you are committing espionage. So this is really serious, and yet my prediction is that the special counsel has already given a wink and a nod to Garland, and they're going to say, oh, gosh, the guy just, you know, inadvertently got these documents, and gosh, gee whiz, as soon as they discovered it, by golly, he gave them back, and isn't he a great guy? That's what's going to happen, even though what has happened here is serious stuff, because unlike Trump, he was actually going to use these things and was using them presumably for what? How many years? Six years? And was Hunter? Did Hunter have access to him? Did his brother James have access to him while they're making all this money from China? Final comment: um, the, the report out of CNN as well. It, these involved Ukraine, the UK, and um, and Iran, but nobody mentions China. I will bet you a dollar to a donut that. They had a lot of Chinese briefings. These presidential briefings rarely are uh, composed without mentioning China's part uh, in the world. And I would be stunned. Meanwhile, they're at this center that's financed 54 million bucks by China. China owns that center and is paying the salaries of all these people. You don't think this is an influence peddling operation? Well, you know, maybe you, maybe you uh, just fell off the turnip truck. Right. Yeah, I think one of the most interesting things uh, in regards to this takes us all the way back to uh, a time in American history that so few of us recall uh, when a certain Miss Hillary Rodham Clinton was the Secretary of State and had private servers with classified information on it. And we had the FBI trying to explain to us how intent matters, which you're actually making a pretty good case that the intent here is pretty bad in the Biden case, but you being uh, someone who has been in these type of cases before, uh, would you care to remind the audience of the fact that I've been screaming from the Raptors that the way the statue here uh, reads, the way it's written, intent is not a differential when it comes to just mishandling the classified documents, right? Yes, it's gross negligence. And so that's why uh, in the first memo, um, 
took that Comey's staff wrote up, they called it gross negligence the way Hillary handled the documents. And then what they did was to make it sound better, they called it extreme carelessness, which is exactly what gross negligence is. So clear, uh, the way Hillary handled the documents, clearly at least gross negligence. Okay, but they chose not to um, prosecute her on it. Now, on the other hand, I don't think there's any evidence of gross negligence on the part of Trump, because when he moved the documents to Mar-a-Lago, he was allowed as president to do so. Now, did he do anything out after that that was grossly negligent? I haven't seen the evidence on that yet. They're going to try to get him on obstruction, but in terms of gross negligence, I don't think so. Now, when you also have – now, let's go to Biden, who doesn't have the presidential immunity that Trump has under the Presidential Records Act. Now, Biden is taking records that don't belong to him, and some of them he's got in a garage – how many of those does he give to his son, Hunter, to use to show around and flash to his clients? And where were, as you point out, what about that year before the Penn Biden Center even started? Where were those documents? So for, clearly there's gross negligence here in the handling of these documents. Clearly, secondly, he was not authorized to move them. That's crime number two. Number three, it's, it's stolen government property. Now, did he also use them for influence peddling? perhaps even for technically espionage. You can't tell this stuff to a foreign power. All these are questions that should be addressed. I'm afraid they won't be addressed because of our system and because of the fact that I think the major legacy media is brain dead. I, I, I definitely agree with you. But, John, what do you think the odds are? And I'm going to circle around to another question, but how much of this do you think is even becoming public knowledge at all simply because they're afraid with the Republicans in charge of the House now and with them doing full-blown investigations into the Biden family that this was going to come out anyway, and they're just trying to get this out in public domain. So by the time we find out how bad this really was, they'll be able to say, oh, that's old news now. Well, they're definitely going to say it's old news. They definitely withheld information before the midterms. But one of their problems is, is that there was a, is a Republican Congress. And so while her, Robert Hur is going through this investigation, and as he should, keeping his mouth shut, uh, but what we'll find is if the House does its job, uh, then I think what we'll find is that uh, the the public may become engaged in this. This is my hope, that if the public sticks with this narrative, uh, the inferences will become clearer as time goes on. Uh, my clients pay me to, to get to inferences right away. For most jurors, they've got to hear it 10 or 12 times in the trial till they finally get all the inferences, and they're darn good at it, by the way, darn good at it, but they need it to be repeated, and that's why I hope that the House will get this narrative out there so that folks who have other things to do in their life but tune in every so often to the news and so forth will see that there is a real substance to this narrative. What did Biden do with those things for six years? Or to use a fancy uh, Latin phrase, qui bono? Who benefited from this? What was his motive? Was it just, gee, I mistakenly put this in my bag, even though they're marked top secret? Or was there a purpose to them, that is to use them in the Biden Center to give the illusion of power and also to give intelligence to your Chinese friends? Remember, 
Hunter Biden, at least, and James Biden were making still making big bucks from the Chinese energy people in 17 and 18. So there's a very good reason why uh, these things uh, were very valuable to the Biden family. And then, of course, if we believe uh, Tony Bobolinsky, Joe Biden's in it for 10 percent of the of the take of CEFC, the the joint venture. And if we believe Hunter's uh, laptop, um, then uh, Hunter is sharing his fees with his father. So this thing could get very deep if it is examined correctly, and it remains to be seen if it will be. Right. I mean, even if you're just talking about uh, Burisma, then you're talking about a Ukrainian energy company. And so then that's what kind of makes a lot of sense for Iran and UK to be involved here as well, because there was a lot of uh, connections to Iran through the Burisma uh, company. And uh, Burisma did a lot of their international banking through banks in the UK. So when I saw those three together, it's like, well, that's that circles Burisma right there. But there is that missing component. Uh, we know a lot about China, and then we know a lot about, uh, like what you just mentioned, so much of this is clear. And then the other bit that's uh, certainly not being reported very much is the house in question uh, where these documents have been found in the garage. Hunter Biden claimed to have been the owner of that house for a long time. He clearly had access to it. So it's just as easy that uh, Joseph Robinette, uh, Biden Jr. gets to walk in there. He, he sets it there. We know for a fact that several of these documents, actually all the classified, were put in uh, different envelopes and marked as being personal. So somebody knew what was in there at some point, and they knew to keep them separate from the others. Uh, it would be easy enough to think that, well, we're just going to drop it here. And if I don't see you take it and I don't say, hey, go do this, uh, then I have some level of plausible deniability. But that still only holds if you're giving them intent. And that's why this needs to be investigated the way the, the, the law is written. And that is if you have engaged in gross negligence and handling classified documents, then you are guilty. And then if you took it a step further, the way you're laying out the case and you're making a very convincing one, uh, espionage for personal gain, uh, this influence peddling that we know the Biden crime family has been doing for some time, uh, my words, not putting any words in your mouth, uh, it certainly seems like this is a huge deal. And, uh, you know, we talk about uh, Donald Trump's right to move documents. Uh, we also need to keep in mind that Donald Trump, as president, also had the summarial uh, power to uh, declassify whenever he chose. Uh, none of the other people we've mentioned has that power. You're the president or you're not. That's right. And did Trump ever bring foreign clients to his storage locker in Mar-a-Lago to start talking about documents? If If Biden did that, I would see... I would imagine that having a nice enveloped presidential briefing with top secret markings all over it would be very impressive to Biden's foreign clientele, uh, including Hunter and James. And so I have an idea that this was very sp a specific intent to be to look like they had influence and to show their foreign clients that they did have influence. And like I say, it would be quite conceivable, in fact, quite likely that if you have these documents, 
you're going to let the Chinese feel like they got something for their $54 billion. One of the things about these corrupt countries is they don't pay money unless they're going to get something for it. These guys are experienced uh, corrupt people. You don't pay $54 million for the Penn Biden Center unless you're getting something out of it. What is it that they were getting out of this center for, quote, global engagement, unquote? That is the the, the inference is that that's what these documents were uh, to be used for. Yeah. All right, John. Obviously, it's still an ongoing story. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, and again, I thank you so much for your time. Before I let you go, though, I definitely want to ask you a little bit about how things are going with your other projects. Uh, uh, are we going to be able to expect any more uh, additions and episodes to The Mysteries of Watergate? Well, I've got a good book out called The Mysteries of Watergate, which you can get on Kindle or the paperback. And it is a very, very good book. It's an easy read, uh, but it opens. It's an eye opener. You don't realize how much uh, was going on behind the scenes from the CIA involved to to murder, uh, to uh, uh, wiretapping uh, houses of ill repute with uh, uh let's say, prominent clients. Uh, what really happened in Watergate that Richard Nixon had and his circle had no knowledge of is what's amazing. And what's amazing is the Washington Post did have that knowledge and didn't print it. So that's why I wrote this book. I wrote Mysteries of Watergate as a sequel to Postgate to show step-by-step step what happened in Watergate and how it was not given to the public what was happening. In fact, it wasn't given to the White House. The White House didn't know any of this stuff either. So it's it's a fascinating era. The only time we've got rid of a president and we got rid of him through journalistic fraud. Does that sound familiar to you, Tim? You know, strangely enough, it does kind of sound a little familiar all of a sudden. All right, John. Again, thank you so very much. Real quick, let everybody know where they can find your work. And as long as you're inviting people to follow you on social media, feel free to uh, share any of your handles that you'd like to as well. Well, the best place to go is just my book site, which has all my articles and the books and, and so forth. It's called PostgateBook.com. PostgateBook.com. It's a wealth of stuff. It's fun for your audience to get in there. You might order a book, read articles, whatever, but it's a, it's a real good uh, a source for everyone. Okay. All right. Again, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Keep up all the great work that you're doing, and something tells me uh, we're going to be able to get back together again sometime real soon and continue this particular conversation because uh, I don't plan on letting it go. It doesn't sound like you're about to drop it either, and hopefully we'll be just a, a few voices in a large chorus. Uh, thank you so much again, John. Uh, Godspeed. Uh, great talking to you. Take care now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mr. John O'Connor. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that he's not only connecting the dots, but he's calling it for what the full picture is. Espionage. This is not just the, oh, well, we've been very transparent. You've been transparently criminal, and not just in the mishandling of the documents, but where did these documents go and why? Who gained? Who was benefiting from this action? This is huge. And all you're going to get 
is some of the most moronic defenses on the planet. And again, we're talking about the left, so expect the brain-dead morons to come up with some of the dumbest stuff. Uh, Mr. Uh, I think if we build uh, too much military base on Guam, the the island will capsize. Uh, if you heard Mr. Johnson talking about how he's very aware that documents can be planted and then conveniently found. Hey, John, Biden and his attorneys have admitted that it was there, not planted. They found it. They've been transported more than once. They've been separated. There has been access available. Why are the Biden family members refusing to acknowledge who has been to that residence since those documents would have been present in the garage? They've released the White House visitor logs, but not the visitor logs for their home, which, by the way, the Secret Service has. The Secret Service continues to protect these people once they're out of office, and they keep detailed logs on who comes and who goes. They do not want, and at least for right now, they're claiming that they will not release the visitor logs for the residents. Why? Who are we going to find? Was it Joe's brother? Was it Joe's son, Hunter? Was it both multiple times? Was it visitors, business associates uh, with the Biden family? Was it Chinese nationals? Was it all of the above? Now, yeah, I'm again just spitballing. You know me causing trouble on a Friday night. That's what I do, me and my big mouth. But I'm not the only one. <laughs> Doug's in there. Yes, yes, definitely your big mouth. I agree. <laughs> I'm clearly not the only one seeing the problem here. And this is, you've got the, the ladies on The View talking about some really stupid stuff too. Well, does this, does this feel like oppo research to you? What? This isn't opposition research. This is them finding it. This is actually one of his attorneys screwing up and saying, this isn't legal. Let's report it. And now they, they can't keep it quiet. But I do want to ask, and just like I asked John, are they coming clean now? They waited till well after the election, and they tried to give enough pause. But is it now that we have a Speaker of the House and we've already had announcements from who's going to head up the Judiciary Committee. We know there's investigators, and they have already said, even before all the dust was settled, that one of the things they're going to be looking at is the Biden businesses abroad. Is this merely an effort to try and get it out now, rather than the Republicans finding it in their investigations and say, gee, guys... What's happening here? And forget all the whataboutism. You cannot say, well, yeah, sure, but uh, I I have faith and full confidence. Uh, and full, <laughs> what was it the new uh, minority leader in the House said? I have full faith and confidence in Joe Biden. It's like, uh, dude, uh, full faith in cr- and full credit. Yeah, full faith and credit in Joe Biden. Uh, no, no, you don't. You absolutely, positively do not. You guys know that right now 
your bench is so thin because who you got? Uh, do you have um, Kamala, who's still out there giving uh, speeches that most first graders would find ridiculously redundant? Well, today we have a moment in time where the the moment is very much of time, and it's a timely moment because uh, things. Shut up, Kamala! <laughs> Just shut up. Like all the other Democrats, they are much, much more popular when they don't say anything, when you don't see them, when you don't hear from them. It's easy to believe they're good then. They open their mouth and uh, they remove all doubt. Uh, who else? Um, Pete Buttigieg? Pete? Pete? Sweet Pete. I got to tell you. <laughs> we'll, we'll play Kamala's laugh here in just a second, sir. If you've got it available. Uh, we'll go out for the... Uh, the mid-hour break here in just a second to it. But, you know, we got Pete Buttigieg. How many people were unable to fly earlier this week because, again, he's such a fantastic Secretary of Transportation. And the explanation now is one guy. One guy unplugged something and failed to follow protocols. That's why you all got grounded. Not having a good week. None of these people have had a good week. These guys are not qualified to open a can of Vaini sausages. In fact, I'm not even certain that very many of them are qualified to get them out if we opened it for them. And yet that's the people that's supposed to be running the show. And they're helplessly attached to Joe Biden now. Helplessly attached to him because who else they got? Even Gavin Newsom is being forced to admit that the uh, border policy is beyond what the state of California can continue to handle. So when he's stepping up and now saying, well, you know, maybe not everything Joe Biden's doing is good, they have to admit that it's the leftist policies. Now, they're never going to put it in those terms, but when they say this isn't working, that is what they're saying. And it's up to you and me and all the other guys with half a brain out there to remind those people that are still wanting to vote Democrat that they're admitting their policies are not working. They just don't have another plan. Our, the plan was to screw up and not be very good to the American people in the first place. All right, let's go ahead and take that mid-hour break before uh, – before we get too much further down the road, but before we do that, again, I want to remind you, go check out postgatebook.com. Uh, John O'Connor's got a lot of great stuff there. And if you haven't been listening to his podcast, listen to the podcast. It's great. The Mysteries of Watergate's fantastic. And with his new book out, go check that out, too. Uh, and, uh, you know, Doug, let's, let's take that mid-hour break, and when we come back... We'll hit the home stretch. Don't go in. <laughs> Hi, this is Derek Kenny, and you're listening to Tap Into the Truth.
When it comes to the founding of the United States of America, it may be shocking to most Christians today, but it was New England ministers who played a key role in rallying support for war against the tyranny of King George. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, ministers pressed their congregations to overthrow King George because they believed that rebellion against tyrants was obedience to God. From many pulpits, ministers recruited troops and strengthened them for battle. Those church leaders knew that the Bible places great emphasis on due submission to civil authorities, but they also noted that many passages approve resistance to ungodly authority. It is therefore no coincidence that one of the slogans of the American revolutions was no king but King Jesus. Most of the patriots, including men of the cloth, found in their faith and in God's word the courage to risk their lives and properties in order to break the tyranny of an unjust human authority. The ministers of the revolution understood that freedom and liberty emanate from freedom in Christ, and the principles emanated in the word of God. I pray the ministers of today will stand for true liberty in Christ and in America. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning Homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. In just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top Six in the World in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. You did it! Congratulations! World's best cup of coffee. Constitutional Grounds. The hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. This is Ash. Me too. We are indeed sharing Friday night together and so glad to have you along for the ride, even if you're listening after the fact to the podcast Saturday, Sunday, uh, maybe even wait till Monday. Uh, welcome and thank you for listening. All right, uh, we are indeed uh, trying to make our way through the remainder of what's left of Friday the 13th. And goodness gracious, hopefully you guys have had a better Friday the 13th than I've had. It has been nuts. I'm not even going to go into it. I'm just trying to move past it. 
Okay, had a pretty good conversation, I think, with uh, John O'Connor just a little while ago. And, uh, you know, we've been discussing some different topics today. I want to give you a little quick news hit, just in case you missed it. Evidently, the investigation from the Supreme Court into who leaked the draft opinion of the Dobbs uh, case, you know, the one that overturned Roe v. Wade, uh, evidently, we, according to the Wall Street Journal, have have the investigation having narrowed down the list of suspects. Yeah, that's all we got. They've narrowed down a list of suspects. Uh, again, according to the report, they've not yet settled on a specific suspect. So, really, we don't know any more than we did before. Period. <laughs> Although there was obviously some bad boy action going on, uh, I do find it curious, though. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts said in a statement, quote, to the extent this betrayal of the confidences of the court was intended to undermine the integrity of our operations, it will not succeed. The work of the court will not be affected in any way. So, more than a month after that, June 24th, Supreme Court released Alito's majority opinion in the Dobbs versus Jackson's Women Health Association case. Sorry, organization case. And then the left went nuts. According to uh, according to the information from the Wall Street Journal, they made a list of suspects. Now they've narrowed it down. That's all we know. That's literally all we know. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing that should be secret. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing that should be mystery. It seems like something that we ought to know. You can't tell me that we couldn't know by now. But, you know, why should we hold these people accountable? It's only people with an R at the end of their name that must be held accountable. Right? All right. Also, um, you know what? I wanted to do something a little different uh, tonight. We normally spend so much time focused generally on either the U.S. or occasionally our friends slightly to the north of us in Canada or slightly to the south of us. We do on the regular talk about international policy, but we don't normally get too in-depth with specifics involving other countries. Now, we're going to a little bit here because it still affects us and because it's a direct result of Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. and his feckless foreign policy. China has been moving forward, largely emboldened by the actions of Biden, perhaps even because they know they have bought and paid for the Biden crime family. But China has continued to move forward to submit its position in South America, in Central America, throughout Africa, and now, of course, also in the Middle East. And that might be the most dangerous aspect of all, because a former ally of the United States, albeit a tenuous one at best, let's not make any qualms about it, anybody in the Middle East 
aside from Israel, if we are allied with them, it's going to be tenuous. Talking about Saudi Arabia in this case, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia is now not only one of China's most important suppliers of energy, but the kingdom's also an important leak in the China's Belt and Road Initiative. In case you're not familiar with it, or maybe you've heard the term but don't know that much about it, we're literally talking about a huge, a ridiculously gigantic global development project that is intended to enhance China's global influence, basically from East Asia uh, throughout Europe, by making countries worldwide increasingly dependent on China. Now, under the BRI, China signed cooperation agreements with 20 different Arab countries. Saudi Arabia is just one of them. China is also Saudi Arabia's largest trading partner now, and arrangement that extends to military cooperation. Now, I mentioned Biden's speckless foreign policy. Well, Biden took a long-standing ally, Saudi Arabia, and by repeatedly saying over and over again that he would make the kingdom a pariah nation because of the murder of Kashabi, he created an adversary where we once had an ally. For an American president to be silent on the issue of human rights is inconsistent with who we are and who I am. That's a quote from Joe Biden. The same concern for human rights has not apparently seemed to bother him at all when we talk about China or Iran whose record on human rights is, at the very least, as bad, if not far worse, than Saudi Arabia's. Now, Saudi Arabia, not perfect on human rights. Don't get me wrong. I'm not making the case that they're a perfect ally. They're not. But we knew what we were getting when we allied with them, and what we were getting was an energy-rich nation with a lot of influence and pull throughout the Middle East that doesn't like Iran. By the way, Iran is an enemy to the United States. I don't care how much uh, Joe or, uh, his, you know, uh, President, his boss, Barack Obama, seemed to like them. China also in geopolitical enemy of the United States. Just a coincidence, I'm sure. The Chinese record on human rights, horrific, abysmal, Scary, horror movie level bad. Iran? Yeah, just as bad. Saudi Arabia's? Yeah, not great, but not as bad. So what happens? Well, the same thing that always happens when a major power alienates a lesser power. A vacuum is created, and nature abhors a vacuum. And China jumped right in. Xi Jinping has made no secret of his wishes to replace the United States of America as a global superpower. No mistakes. He wants to be seen as the primary economic power. He wants to be feared as the primary military power. He wants to be seen as 
the greatest diplomatic power. And of course, he would prefer everyone believe that they're also the technological power. And he wants to be seen as being the top global superpower in all those categories no later than 2049. He has said those words publicly, not just in China, international forums. Now, the United States might be well-poised to lead, but there's a reason why I'll say they're, they're poised to lead, because they're not leading. You can't lead from behind. You can't let Iran grab you by the cojones and drag you around and claim to be the one in charge which is exactly what's happened in every effort to reform the Iran deal. China is making all their decisions right now. The U.S., eh, we're backing away. We're becoming smaller on the international stage, and we're just opening our borders to, to let as many people that are trying to escape the influence of China throughout Central and South America, to just go ahead and come here. Now, China's influence is not the only reason these people are trying to get away, and don't get me started on border policy again. I know you guys are probably tired of hearing me talk about it at this point, but it does seem to continue to be an issue, doesn't it? This whole idea, this whole notion that we shouldn't have a southern border, that we we can't even use the world field when it comes to field work anymore. Oh, well, you know, because some people might mistakenly think you're inferencing slavery, and yet others might uh, feel like you're talking about migrant workers. No, if you say field work, it just means that you're not stuck in the office. If anybody thinks it means anything else, it's their fault for not understanding the language. But hey, is it really their fault when it's constantly the left, constantly trying to change the language, trying to control the argument by virtue of the words never meaning the same thing twice? I mean, two primary events in the history of humans failing to understand each other. The curse of Babel and then the current woke numbskulls. I mean, after all, we can't say mother, we have to say birthing person. We can't say breastfeeding, we have to say chest feeding, which I'm not certain that that's significantly different enough to matter. So many things we're not supposed to say because it might hurt someone's feelings. If it hurts your feelings, it's because you don't understand some basic truths. If I say to you that mm, lesbians don't have penises, then uh, guess what? If you happen to be a lesbian who happens to have a penis and that hurts your feelings, you're not actually a lesbian. You're a dude, dude. <laughs> it's just that simple. I'm going to have to give uh, Doug a moment to, to compose himself as he picks himself up out of the floor. He's laughing so hard at me right now. Uh, 
literally, we we titled a recent broadcast that, for podcast purposes, uh, lesbians don't have penises, because that's not even my phrase. An actual lesbian posted that, and she is now still continuing to face cancellation from the left. Because she dared to make a simple statement of truth. Uh, granted, it was a bit of a harsh and brash way of putting it. But that doesn't make it any less true. The only way it becomes untrue is if you change the meaning of the words. And if you keep changing the meaning of the words, eventually we just communicate with each other. Which, by the way, is one of the primary hopes the global leftists have. Because when we talk to one another, we figure out what it is they're up to. They have to keep us separated. And I know I've talked about this before. They need to put us all in tiny little boxes and put little labels on it. And those labels need to be so scary and abhorrent that when we peek over uh, the lids on the boxes that we're in and we see the label on the boxes that the guys next to us are in, we're like, well, we don't want to talk to them. That label there says they're a Nazi. Now, are they actually a Nazi? Did they choose the label? Are they calling themselves Nazis? Are they actually following the beliefs of the Third Reich? If that's the case, then okay, they're Nazis. They're, they're not nice people. I'll stay away. But who puts the label there? It's kind of important because we've been hearing for a while now that if you're a conservative, you're a Nazi. You're a fascist. Now, how dare you uh, think the Constitution might actually should still be uh, the deciding principle in how our federal government works? That's fascism. No, that's literally the opposite of fascism. Well, I'm joining Antifa to fight fascism by using fascist techniques. You can't fight a thing by becoming the thing. You just become a more powerful version of the thing. I'm not sure what's going on. It's not tinfoil, Doug. What, what, what are we doing there? Are you a That's a symbol for basket case. Okay, I got you. I got you. You got it on your head. I'm just thinking, is that some new hat? <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, basket case is actually a good word here because... If you try to keep up with all the nonsense that the woke numbskulls are coming up with, you very well could become a basket case. And most of them are themselves. They they struggle with it. They find themselves in that loop, uh, being trapped between two juxtapositions. It's like both are tr does not compute. Nah, smoke out of the ears and their head explodes. It's crazy. But let's circle back around to Saudi Arabia. And China. I don't know how many more allies China has to make before they, by default, become that world power that they're trying to be. How many more allies do they have to make before the United States becomes the isolated country? How many more years of Joe Biden and his feckless foreign policy <laughs> do we have to endure before it becomes irreversible. Uh, we got Make friends with Mexico. 
make friends with me. How do we make friends with Mexico? Doug, did you hear Obador actually literally thank Joe Biden when he was visiting Mexico City? Thank you for not building one meter of wall. Did you hear that? Yep. It's it's insane. Oh, well, you know, I, I want to thank you for literally, you're the first president in a long time that didn't, which actually, that's not even true either. Because what a lot of people don't realize is before he undid all of the previous Trump policies, uh, they did uh, shore up some of the areas that were still being built and kind of finish some area. So Joe Biden actually did build some on the wall before they stopped building the wall. So technically untrue, although he he had no intention of it. You know, same thing as with the classified documents. I had no negative intent. China is dangerous, boys and girls, and they're getting their way, and they're winning because we're letting them. They're winning because we're letting them. Now, you might say, Tim, how how can you how can you make that statement and 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 believe it? What what is your what is your proof? Well, my proof is the same as it's always been. Take a look at history. When we are engaged on the international stage, simply doing nothing more than trying to represent the actual values of the founders of the nation and the framers of our constitution, we went over the hearts and minds of millions of people everywhere and we inspired them to want to emulate what we do. There is a reason why when we're isolating ourselves, and I, I use that terminology because we're not promoting American values anywhere anymore. We have the left who's hijacked the phrase of American values. They've hijacked the ideology of what American values are to them, and they're trying to spread that. And instead, we have countries falling apart, embracing socialism, and then they come to our border... Because even though things are terrible under Joe Biden, it's still better than it is where they're coming from. We need to get back to the ideas, the principles of the founding. And I don't want to hear any 1619 Project Bull. Again, one more reason to cancel your subscription to Hulu if you've got one. They're actually doing a 1619 miniseries if you haven't heard that one yet. I'm sure it'll have all the, the best ratings. It, it'll be almost as successful as Prince Harry's new book. Which, by the way, uh, I, I, do, I do not recommend you purchase this book unless you just want to laugh at how ridiculous and what a big crybaby that uh, Harry is. I, I've seen some sample chapters that were sent out to show hosts. I've read a little bit of it. I would never have paid for any of this, but I got to tell you, there 
There are some scary moments where it's clear that he doesn't understand what the role of leadership actually is. But there's this one particular passage that's in the advance where he's talking about having frostbite on his penis. <laughs> and it gets kind of weird, and it becomes pretty clear that Meghan Merkel... She is simply trying to take advantage of a young man who has a bit of an Oedipus complex. I'm going to leave it at that because, again, I don't want to encourage you to buy the book. But if you get a chance at, at getting any of these samples for free, uh, be forewarned. There's some really weird stuff in there. I, I'm just so over it. Guys, I don't know what else to say at this point. If I get into anything else, I'm going to get going and... Now is not the time for that because we're getting really, really close to the end of tonight's broadcast. But uh, we really <laughs> – Doug's like, well, you know, uh, yeah, you've only got two minutes, so wrap it up, buddy. Uh, <laughs> as we look at that, though, moving forward, we got a whole year coming up where things are going to get really interesting. And we're going to have to start – drawing the lines that we've just talked about till now. We need to understand that we have no allies we can count on, and the ones we do have are going to be alienated by the people that currently are sitting in charge. We have a Secretary of Homeland Security that's going to be impeached. Hopefully he'll be removed. We have investigations upcoming into the Biden crime family. Hopefully, some truth will be revealed, and hopefully, the American people will finally decide to start holding these people accountable. In the meanwhile, you're going to have me. You're going to have Doug hanging out in the control room. You're going to have folks like Ron Edwards. Uh, we're going to be constantly bringing you the information, and we're going to be telling you the truth, some of us bombastically, some of us uh, – in a kind of a Pollyanna way, but truth will be told. It's time for you to listen, to hear it, and act. I have faith in most of you. If you're a regular listener, I believe you're going to take care of it. Meanwhile, let's, let's wind it up. Friday is done, guys. Don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take theirs. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Uh, Hang on, the ride's about to get bumpy. Doug, take it away.
Using both hands. 